0: Every sports fan knows it's not about how you start the season. It's about how you finish. At MyBookie 2020 finishes strong with NFL, college football, and the return of NBA action. Sign up today to receive a halfway deposit match up to $1,000. And while you're at it, ring in the holidays with six days of giveaways. You heard it here first. From December 21st to December 26th, MyBookie's hooking players up with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes. And it's all week long. To get in, on the action it's simple sign up make your first deposit and enter promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies head over to my bookie and discover this year's batch of fun on-site promotions and win big with six days of giveaways this holiday season bet with the best bet with my bookie Today on the Zabecast, how exploding whale day is a perfect analogy to governments worldwide right now when it comes to battling COVID. I can make a case for Ohio State. I can make a case against them. So now what? Right. There's no good answers. All that plus, hmm, I'll try the python. Looks fresh. Your 30-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. Thank you for downloading the case for Ohio State. I can see it from both sides. There is much anger that Ohio State was pretty much given the silver platter ride. Excuse, Shut up! Excuse my phone there. The silver platter ride to the college football playoffs. They played a shorter schedule. They came late to the party. They didn't really impress, including most recently, in just escaping the fighting Reese Davises of Northwestern. And you say to yourself, well, why do they have to have a seat at the table? And I think the answer is pretty clear. You may not like the answer, but the answer is pretty clear. The college football playoff committee would like – it to seem like they're picking the pick of the litter, the four best teams from around the country, and one from here and one from there and one from here. They want a nice, diverse set. Think of the college football playoff committee as wanting a sampler platter of four great football programs from around the land, from sea to shining sea, from the Canadian Rockies down to the Tijuana border. But the reality is, as you and I know, the best teams are all concentrated in one little, well, not one little, but one quadrant of the country. Why, that's right. The Deep South finally figured out what we have down here, which is an abundance of passion and commitment for tackle football. And it does shine through. Sure, I can make a good argument, and some have, for Texas A&M instead of the Ohio State University or perhaps Notre Dame University. You can make an argument against Texas A&M, which I have heard as well. But I think it comes down to this simply. They didn't want to put two SEC teams in unless there was an overwhelming and compelling reason to do so. Now, Florida, having stood in there and traded blows with and tra- having traded blows having traded blows with alabama like Clubber Lang and rocky balboa boom 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 by the way sidebar is it me or would the rocky movies have been any better if there was at least a little bit of defense in the boxing sequence, just a little bit. Literally, you watch a Rocky movie, and you're like, oh, that's right. Nobody blocks a punch. They stand there with their arms down and get wailed on, and then, okay, my turn. Okay, back to where I was. Wait, where was I? GPS, rerouting, rerouting. So you had Florida standing in, trading blows with Alabama, and it, the game was not in the bag at any point, and they, it, six point. Final margin. By the way, it's so weird to see the SEC now where they too have become like the Big 12, where it's just all offense and you can't stop anybody. It's, it seems like just yesterday I was watching LSU Alabama in a 10-3 to game and convincing myself, and, and all of us in sports going, that was good. That was good. I like that. I like that. It's defense, defensive-minded game. I love it. It's the way it should be. I don't know what's better. Is, it, is the 100-point game better than the 13-point total game? I don't know. Anyway, Florida has a pretty good argument, even though they stubbed their toe against LSU, and that was unfortunate. Had they not thrown the shoe against LSU and had Florida won in overtime, would it have still been a bad enough win to say, yeah, you know what, Florida, you two are out. The bottom line is we saw this coming from a long ways away in which Notre Dame... Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama were kind of deemed to be the four teams that deserve to be in the playoff in a shortened, fucked-up, COVID-messed season. And so this was a prearranged destiny that had to play itself out the way it did. Now, Notre Dame got lucky because they caught the first of the two meetings against Clemson without sunshine, and they played the game of their life, and they won at South Bend, and and they were – the fans – Stormed the field, and there was a super spreader, and 12 people died. Oh, wait, no, that didn't happen at all. Nothing happened after that. So I can see the argument both ways, but remember, the college football playoff is a TV show. It's a TV show to showcase the best teams. We all know the two best teams that have separated from everybody else are Clemson and Alabama, Alabama and Clemson and until other teams get on that level and they're clawing and they're scrapping they think they're there they're not there yet maybe they won't get there as long as Dabo and I and 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 good old Nick Saban are at the helms of those two massive college football aircraft carriers but that's the way it is right now so to me I'm fine with it I think, to a certain extent, Ohio State should not be punished because of the dipshittery of its own conference, the uselessness of Kevin Warren, because of the utterly punchable stupidity of one uh, Mark Schlissel of the University of Michigan. Don't punish Ohio State just because their conference fucked them. But a lot of people wanted to see... That happened. A lot of people think there's no way they deserved it. And for that, I would say you're not wrong, per se. It's an argument. It's a strong argument. I just don't necessarily care. Meanwhile, other snubs and disgraces in college football. First of all, Brett McMurphy reports 15 of the 17 coaches who voted Cincinnati in the top five were from group of five schools. Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente and Maryland's Mike Loxley were the only power five coaches giving UC a vote in the top five of the USA Today coaches poll. Meanwhile, Indiana former Indiana AD Fred Glass came in hot on Indiana getting snubbed for a New Year's, New Year's Six Bowl bid. Here's what he wrote on his Facebook page. Quote, I'm not AD anymore, nor officially affiliated with IU, so I can tell you what I think, and that is this. Our program, our coach, and our kids got done in by the good old boy Big Ten football power structure. There are influential people who don't want Indiana to be good in football. They're used to coming into our state and poaching our best high school players and counting us as a W on their schedules. That's why they don't advocate for us. Is there any real doubt that we're the second-best team in the conference? Look at the polls, even the college football playoff. Look at common opponents. To those who are trying to kill a resurgent Indiana football program, shame on you. He's not wrong, but I don't know if anyone really cares. And then Stuart Mandel of SI points out this there is no spot for army in a lineup of bowl games that included the military and armed forces bowls blow the whole thing up seriously this ain't it also South Carolina at 2 and 8 got a bowl bid and accepted many others said nah no thanks Everyone was of a different opinion. P.J. Fleck, Mr. Row the Boat from Minnesota, said they were going to decline because it would require 11 days of basically sitting around, isolated, eating box lunches during the holidays. So I guess he took his oars and went home. Minnesota said, no thanks. We'll see if next year the bowl industrial complex is back up at full strength. I would have said in a million years, of course it would be, or not in a million years, wouldn't it be? But my God, I'm starting to keep betting more on the over on this thing than I did before. There's a new story out about the Boeing 737 MAX airplane. And by the way, positive feedback continues to roll in for my podcast with my friend Tim Baggett pilot, former pilot for the U.S. Customs Agency. Too much feedback to really even read. I was going to go through and compile it and pull some. I mean, I have well over a hundred emails from people saying, he was great. Let's have him back on again. And I'm like, we will, but let's let's not overdo it just yet. Anyhow, there's a story out about the Boeing 737 Max, which is now being reintroduced to airline fleets around the world. And Tim sent me this report, I guess co-sponsored by Boeing, and the government, and I guess it wasn't very flattering in a number of ways. Basically, and I said, Tim, I can't read this. I don't understand. This is too much. T-L-D-R, summarize it for me, will you? Or just send me an article that explains what they found. I did find an article that did explain it, and it was basically like this. The FAA was coaching up pilots when they were doing their revised training on the 737 Max which was apparently a big no-no. You're supposed to throw pilots in the simulator, throw shit at them, and have them figure out what's going on with the plane because, hello, that's what's going to happen when they're actually in the air with 200 souls on board. Instead, they're like, ah, no, no, hit right aileron. There you go. Okay, good. All right, I'm, I'm back out again. Apparently, that's a big no-no. Also, Boeing has agreed to hire and embed... 737 MAX only pilots with their airplanes that are distributed throughout the world on various commercial airline fleets. Now, that seems like a good idea. Like, hey, just to further reassure you, John Q. Public, we have a pilot who's designed to fly this thing. He's trained specifically. He knows how to fly this thing. (laughs) And you say, oh, that's reassuring. And then you go, but wait a minute. You're saying this plane is too dangerous for a otherwise regularly certified and trained 737 pilot to fly. So it's almost like saying this is the meanest, nastiest bull in the entire stable. But don't worry, we got the best rider who knows how to handle it. He's specifically assigned to this Brahma bull of an airplane. Good luck with that. That's all I can say. I have an even better guy... For air crashes, he is the brother of my longtime listener and friend Rick DeLisi, who I played golf with a couple summers ago as part of a radio promotion, and he brought his brother with him, and we talked airline shit and disaster shit all the time, and apparently I've been given uh, – he said that I can get a VIP tour of the hangar where they investigate plane crashes outside Dallas Airport, and you better goddamn believe it. I will take him up on that if I'm allowed, and he said his brother would do the podcast. So I've put a feeler out to that. Hopefully, we can get that done. Digital confusion. So here at this uh, wonderful little retreat, they don't have traditional cable TV. They do, but it's all fucked up. Normally, you go somewhere on vacation. You get a cable TV guide that's on screen that shows the channels, shows the programs. You become dependent on that, right? This is apparently internet driven and so therefore it has no program guide and you don't know where the channels are. Making it even more fun here on vacation, they have the numbers. The channels are literally everything from 3-1, 3-2, 4-1, 4-5, 5- 5 all the way up through the 10s and the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. Then there's a big chunk of music only from the 50s to the 70s. And then you go up to the 1000s and it appears to be delivering on channel 1000-10 some internet show. Which is not even a cable TV network. It's just being pulled from the digital stream. It's all such a mess. Anyway. I was then looking to show Charlie Brown Christmas for the family. And I knew it existed on Apple TV Plus. And I had to first then say, okay, I guess I've got to subscribe. So I start to go to subscribe on my phone, and I'm like, this is stupid. I don't want to thumb-peck into my phone every little detail. Every What's your email address? So I go to my laptop, my new MacBook Air, which, by the way, with the M1 Apple chip, such a great laptop. And as I go to log in, thankfully the Matrix knows everything about me. And they say, oh, with your new computer purchase, you get Apple TV Plus for an entire year. Free. Hallelujah. Sign me up. Good to go. So I'm then on the TV and I'm trying to log into Apple TV Plus. And it says, Oh, would you like to sign in to this, you know, internet TV? with your phone and here's how you do it. You can scan the QR code on the TV. I'm like, all right, let me give that a shot. And then it goes there and then it scans it and then it opens up a window on my phone and then I hit accept and it then it talks to the TV and it's all networked. And we're in for Apple TV Plus. And I'm like, great. So we watch Charlie Brown Christmas and then I wanna go watch the original Grinch. I don't know where the original Grinch is streaming. So I go to search. Apple TV Plus, Grinch. There's no Grinch at all on Apple TV Plus. And I was like, really? thought you would have something Grinchy. I then go to Apple TV, and I immediately say, whoa, 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 what's Apple TV? Answer, I don't know. What's the difference? They didn't really explain it, but I think I figured it out. Apple TV is where you go to pay for things. You pay to rent a movie or you pay to own a movie. That's what Apple TV is. Apple TV Plus is their streaming service where you pay a certain amount per month and then you can stream all that you want. It has a lot of original programming as well, but not so much programming that other people have made. There's the difference. I think, I'm not sure. This is all part of the original, this is all part of the digital maze we are all in right now. Had the same dance with Apple Music. I wanted to cancel Spotify because I don't need to have Spotify and Apple Music. My daughter wanted Apple Music for reasons that I didn't even understand. Two years ago, I said, fine, honey, you got it. She's been having it for a while. I can get a family subscription for Apple Music, which will be up to like six family members for 15 bucks a month. That's a lot better than me paying $9.99 for Spotify and for uh, Apple Music, by the way. I appreciate everybody who's chunking chunking me five bucks a month or $4.99 for the ZAPEcast for this program. I appreciate that very much, including those of you who are just listening right now and are not subscribers. Okay, we all have to deal with the subscription model these days. It's not a bad thing. It's just a confusing thing. So I'm trying to figure out what's the difference between music on my phone, which was a white icon with a musical note on it, and the red icon with a musical note on it. And from what I can tell, there's two apps on your Apple computer. One is for music, which means your own collection of paid-for digital music. You know, remember we used to buy songs for $1.99 or buy music videos for $2.99, I think it was. And we would buy movies and have movies and collect movies and we'd illegally rip movies. And then we would import them into our Apple Music ecosystem, which was part of iTunes, but now iTunes is something totally different. So apparently, there's Apple Music and there's the music app on your computer, and they're different. Then I've got to figure out, well, what's my plan? I think I signed up for a free trial of Apple Music. I did, in fact, that won't kick in until March of this coming year. Chances I remember it and then get off of it or cancel 100%. Can I then fold that in with my daughter's existing plan? How will they talk to each other? Where who can see my playlist if we're sharing a subscription? We've got four family members, eight devices, two Apple IDs. What the hell's going on? Does anybody know? Nobody knows. This is the world we're living in, and I can already hear Sally's voice cackling over my shoulder in the background. <laughs> Sucker. Every sports fan knows it's not about how you start the season. It's about how you finish. At myBookie, 2020 finishes strong with NFL, college football, and the return of NBA action. Sign up today to receive a halfway deposit match up to a thousand dollars, and while you're at it, ring in the holidays with six days of giveaways. You heard it here first: from December 21st to December 26th, myBookie's hooking players up with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes, and it's all week long. To get in. On the action, it's simple. Sign up, make your first deposit, and enter promo code ZABE Charlie Zulu Alpha Bravo Echo to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies. Head over to my bookie and discover this year's batch of fun on-site promotions and win big with six days of giveaways. This holiday season bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. Speaking of digital alternatives to traditional TV. I got this email from my friend Andy Lanham from Indianapolis. It regards Sunday Ticket. Says Andy, long time no talk. Still listen to the podcast every day. Voice is sounding much better. It is today, by the way. Rest it. No yelling and get that sweet, sweet Zabe vocal range back 100. All right, I'm working on it. Two topics for you. Number one, Zabe, your NFL direct TV rant. Why do you bother? You have seasons 4 you.com. I gave it to you. It's glorious. I'm on year four, and it works every week. Although, get this, last week it actually asked me if I really wanted to watch the Bengals and Cowboys. <laughs> Anyhow, I think your subscription is still active. If not, let me know, and I'll dig it up. It is, by the way, and I found it, and I have said to myself... Holy shit, why am I paying so much money for a Sunday ticket? I'm an idiot. Number two, what I'm emailing you today about is the below link to the 1970 Oregon whale explosion. It is the 50th anniversary of one of the great small-town government clusterfucks ever. I had never seen it until this last week. I love it, and I use it to motivate my team at work. It also ironically enough, lays in perfectly with the current COVID madness. In short, in 1970, an eight-ton dead whale washed ashore in Oregon. Instead of towing it back out to sea or get a flatbed and a crane or dig a hole and bury it, nope, they decided they were going to blow it to smithereens. They blow up the dead whale and the whole thing rains down on every spectator watching and it's flat-out hysterical. How this relates to the covid is in the comical sense. Currently, we as innocent bystanders are watching what the government and people in charge and the supposedly smart and credentialed people are doing. And this whole time, we are expecting the people in charge to make smart, informed, and rational decisions. Instead, nope, we get a government hell-bent to shut down society bars, schools, restaurants, and make everyone wear masks even when they know there's no reason to do so. Basically, we are all nodding along that the government has our best interests at heart. Well, not all of us are nodding along. You're not nodding along. I'm not nodding along. And there's plenty of us screaming at the top of our lungs, stop, stop, you idiots. But the problem is there's too many sheep. There's too many sheep that believe in government, they believe government can do good, will do good, and it's our duty to help them do that good. And those people are numerous, and they cannot be convinced otherwise. It's That's the most disheartening thing about all of this is you sit there, you look at some of your fellow citizens, including some in your own family, some of whom you're on vacation with right now. And By the way, they've left the house, thank God, so I can be myself today. And you want to look at them and say, d- don't, don't you see what's going on? W- look at these nincom. Listen to these. P- d- d- what make?" Pass the bread. <laughs> Anyhow, basically we're nodding along. I'm not nodding along. In the meantime, Dr. Fauci is the George Thornton of the Oregon Highway Department who is pumping the hysterical dynamite into this eight-ton dead whale, only to see it go kaboom and rain down dead whale and COVID truths on the masses. What's left is a bunch more whale to blow up, but then again, you get the picture. Whether it's 1970 or 2020, today at some point, the public needs to stand up and say, what in the hell are we doing here? Well, I'm doing what I can. Anyhow, enjoy the new ride and keep pumping out the podcast. You're the best, Andy Lanham. No, Andy, you're the best. Thank you. And without further ado, in Casey Kasem walk-up style, this is a three-minute and 20... I heard some groaning back there. Three-minute and 24-second video clip. I believe it translates even if you're driving down the road and you can't see it. But make a note to yourself to go look up Exploding Whale 50th Anniversary remastered
1: it had to be said the oregon state highway division not only had a whale of a problem on its hands it had a stinking whale of a problem what to do with one 45 foot eight ton whale dead on arrival on the beach near florence it had been so long since a whale had washed up in lane county nobody could remember how to get rid of one in selecting its battle plan the highway division decided the carcass couldn't be buried because it might soon be uncovered It couldn't be cut up and then buried because nobody wanted to cut it up, and it couldn't be burned, so dynamite it was, some 20 cases or a half ton of it. The hope was that the long-dead Pacific gray whale would be almost disintegrated by the blast, and that any small pieces still around after the explosion would be taken care of by seagulls and other scavengers. Indeed, the seagulls had been standing nearby all day. As everything was being made ready, we asked George Thornton, the highway engineer in charge of the project, for his final observation. Well, I'm confident that it'll work. The only thing is we're not sure just exactly how much uh, explosives it'll take to disintegrate this thing so the scavengers, seagulls, and crabs and whatnot can clean it up. Is there any chance it might be more than a one-day job? Uh, If there's any large chunks left, and uh, we may have to do some other cleanup, possibly set another charge. The dynamite was buried primarily on the leeward side of the big mammal, so as most of the remains would be blown toward the sea. About 75 bystanders, most of them residents who had first found the whale to be an object of curiosity before they tired of its smell, were moved back a quarter of a mile away. The sand dunes there were covered with spectators and land lubber newsmen, shortly to become land blubber newsmen, for the blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. All right, Fred, you can take your hands out of your head. Here comes the case with of- yeah. Our camera stopped rolling immediately after the blast. The humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. The dunes were rapidly evacuated as spectators escaped both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell. A parked car over a quarter of a mile from the blast site was the target of one large chunk. The passenger compartment literally smashed. Fortunately, no human was hit as badly as the car, however, everyone on the scene was covered with small particles of dead whale. As for the success of the effort, well, the seagulls who were supposed to clean things up were nowhere in sight, either scared away by the explosion or kept away by the smell. That didn't really matter, the remaining chunks were of such a size that no respectable seagull would attempt to tackle anyway. As darkness began to set in, the highway crews were back on the beach burying the remains, including a large piece of the carcass which never left the blast site. It might be concluded that should a whale ever wash ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, they'll certainly remember what not to do.
0: <laughs> it's so good. By the way, the writing and delivery from this particular newsman, and I'd like to give him a shout-out, although I'm sure he's long since dead, is the epitome of efficiency and style. Paul Lineman, apparently it was, that did the original reporting for TV. Just very snappy, very efficient, words on point, no meandering sentences. Bing, 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 bing. Walked you through the whole thing. I love how they asked the guy, so is this a possibility this would be more than a one-day job? Ah, He's like, nah, I doubt it. This will blow this thing to smithereens. Why was the highway department in charge of this? What do highway guys know about the a whale and what happens when you try to blow it up? And how come nobody else was there to go, ah, I see some problems. Eight tons of dynamite. It's going to throw chunks of whale weighing upwards of 40 to 50 to maybe 100 pounds. Hundreds of yards in the air. And then it's going to land on somebody or something. They're lucky they didn't kill anybody. The the car that was damaged, damaged, was fucking destroyed, crushed. And it's a small example in which these were the experts. These were the people in charge. This was their plan. Nobody sought to say, well, here's another problem. What should have been done, and I don't know why they don't do this, I guess if you got the equipment, you could bury it. I guess if you got the equipment, you could haul it out to sea. Trying to think, yeah, you could probably, well, you'd have to affix some sort of a a rope or a a chain or, or a net that has a long enough lead for a strong enough boat that's beyond the waves that could then pull it off the beach and into the water. But who's to say it wouldn't just wash ashore again? And burying it, I don't know, you have to dig a deep enough hole in the sand. Why not just leave it? It wasn't exactly in a part of a beach it looked like that was next to a resort. If the whale was going to stink so bad and there was nearby hotels and it was going to make the beach uninhabitable to a popular tourist destination, then okay, maybe you got to do something with it. Otherwise, leave it. But that's the thing about doing nothing. It is always very underrated. And as somebody else pointed out, when you decide to do nothing about a problem, you can do it perfectly every time. When you decide to do something, even if it is the right thing, and in this case, blowing it up was the wrong thing, you can't always do it perfectly. In fact, there's a variety of things that could and will go wrong. And there's a lot of lessons in there for how all these governments around the world are currently treating the COVID situation. They're blowing up the whale, and it's not going well. So the presence of no fans leaves for the ability to hear things we would normally never hear on an NFL field. For example, somebody caught this exchange, or maybe not exchange, just comments, from rookie Justin Jefferson out of LSU when Kirk Cousins missed him in the back of the end zone on a scramble to his left in their eventual 33-27 to 27 loss to the Chicago Bears. Take a listen to this, and then I'll translate in case you couldn't hear it. Cousins, on the move, throws high for Jefferson at his oh, K- There it was right there. The audio, of course, terrible. Somebody was sitting across the room pointing their phone to the screen. Come on, people. You got to do better than that. He said, fuck, Kirk. Come on, throw the ball. Let me play it for you one more time. Now, that could just be competitive nature. I would probably chalk it up to just that. But it seems a bit disrespectful, as in somebody said – I'd be surprised to hear a rookie F-bomb a QB like this elsewhere. Jefferson got 11 targets in the game, more than Cook and Thielen combined, who got eight, and it's not like Kirk has had a terrible year. Kirk is eighth in quarterback passer rating at 102.4. He's got 29 touchdowns over 13 picks. That compares to Russell Wilson, who now has 13 picks himself, The only guys in the top 10 that have double digits in interceptions. Kirk's completion percentage is 67.5%. And he's had a pretty good year. It's just behind Josh Allen. It's better than Baker Mayfield. It's even better than Lamar Jackson and this guy in Tampa by the name of Tom. It's better than Kyler Murray. It's better than the flavor of the year, Justin Herbert. It's just still Kirk. Kirk is probably never, ever going to be the man. He's too nice. He's too family-oriented. He's too religious. He's just too much of a try-hard overachiever to ever be seen as the man. It's weird because I'd say Ryan Tannehill is a comparable quarterback to Kirk. It's just that Tannehill seems cooler. Tannehill seems like he's got more swag. All of Kirk's swag ever in his career has been nerd swag. And so, therefore, you see exchanges like that. The comments after the tweet from Jason McIntyre were interesting. Uh, Last year, Kubiak-Kirk rolled left and led the NFL in percentage, and that was just a bad throw. At the end of the day, Cousins and Jefferson just broke Moss's single-season receptions record. I'd say they are okay which I would probably agree. Another comment, yeah, right-handed quarterback running to his left, escaping rushers in pursuit, wide receivers covered, clearly Kirk's fault. Um, excuse me, ma'am, how's your python? Oh, it's quite good today. In fact, we got some fresh python in the other day. Would you like to have that with a side of fries? Yeah, you know what, I think I will. Dateline, Florida, snake, The other, other white meat. Burmese pythons may soon end up on dinner tables across Florida pending a state review of whether they are safe to eat. Shit, if they're safer than a Burger King, uh, Super King Deluxe, or Mega King, whatever they called this. Stopped at a Burger King. Quick sidebar on the way up here to uh, our, our little cabin for a couple of days. And I usually don't go to Burger King. No offense. It is what it is. Ding fries are done. Ding fries are done. Ding. Have you noticed Burger King's commercials have embraced the "ding fries are done" meme? And if you don't know what "ding fries are done," you're gonna have to look that up. I don't have time to explain it to you, but anyway. All right, now I got to look up what it is. See, now I'm st- I'm stuck on having to know a uh, Burger 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 King menu. Nice prep work for this. Okay. You know I'm still getting heckled here. On vacation, doing a podcast, alone with everybody out having fun. Burger King menu, boom. Let's see what this was. Allow bk.com to use your current location. No, you can't use my current location. It's a matter what you, you probably find it out anyway. Okay. I got the the double stacker, the double bacon king. I, bear, I couldn't even finish it. It was, it was that big. And it was not very good. But it was massive. They allow Burger King to sell things, including their triple Whopper with cheese or the Texas double Whopper or the, holy shit, how many burgers do they have? Rodeo Burger, Whopper Junior, your Bacon King, your Stacker King single, double, the Impossible Whopper, fake meat, if they allow the impossible whopper to be sold, they sure as shit ought to be able to l- sell Python. It's just Snake. I know what you're just saying. Where's your Yao Ming? Have you ever had Snake? Kingwow? Ooh, yeah, Snake. I don't have it. I'm I'm on vacation. It's on some it's in a file folder on some computer. Not this one right now. On a hard drive. I don't have it. An invasive species, the non venomous constrictors, have overrun South Florida since the 1980s when it's believed the first specimen took to the Everglades as a released or escaped pet and said, Oh, <laughs> I do like it here in the Everglades. Burmese pythons from Burma. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission already encourages locals to humanely kill. Any of the massive reptiles among the largest snake species in the world, commonly reaching up to 16 to 23 feet long. But now that meat could have a use, with the Florida Wildlife Commission and Florida Department of Health reviewing whether mercury levels in the snakes are low enough for human consumption. The government's contractor program for killing these beasts include paying people for every python they bag. We can't make enough luggage based on the meat. Are based on the skin. We can't make enough wallets, can't make enough boots, can we? The uh, program's manager told CNN that snake starved Floridians might not want to get their hopes up, however, saying mercury is a natural occurring element in the environment and it's high in the Everglades. Mercury bioaccumulates in the environment and you will find high levels of it at the top of the food chain where pythons have a, unfortunately positioned. Themselves, snake takes like tastes like gator, tastes like frog, tastes like just about everything else. Mmm, tastes like all meat. So I guess you're just gonna do your sound bites by yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Let me end on this: the beauty and the madness of the NFL was seen in one Sunday this week, in which two games had such different outcomes despite the teams at home having huge point spread differences the jaguars were 17 or excuse me 13 point underdogs on the road at baltimore and they got smashed giving up 40 points and failing to cover the spread by a wide margin meanwhile the jets were 13 or excuse me 17 and a half point underdogs to the rams on the road and they end up winning outright that my friends is the NFL in a nutshell any given Sunday is the truest thing ever and the way the Jets have screwed up their pursuit of a potentially generational quarterback I think could could go down as one of the all-time debacles in NFL history If Sunshine Lawrence is as good as people think he will be, and if the Jaguars don't do something dumb themselves, and if they take Lawrence and they turn around their franchise. By the way, they've got eight draft picks, I think, in the first couple of rounds. They've got a shit ton of draft picks. They've got a lot of salary cap space, and they could be on the move. Of course, they said this about Miami, and Miami is better this year for sure. And Tua, we'll see about Tua as he continues to develop. But it's no guarantee the Jaguars will turn it around despite having all these draft picks and all this money and if they get Trevor Lawrence. But my God, if I were a Jet fan, I would be apoplectically pissed off in total disbelief that they went and did this. And I did not watch the game yet. I'm going to try to watch the condensed version today while on vacation here screwing around. But to me, if I'm an NFL owner, I don't care what the league would find me. I don't care how angry the locker room might be. I would literally deactivate every fucking starter I had, and I would clear the decks of practice squad players, and I would throw them out there to the Wolves for the final three weeks and say, "What? I would just giving our young guys a chance, giving them some uh, opportunity here. What is this a problem? You know, we're not going to make the playoffs. I wouldn't give a shit." about what anyone said. Even if the commissioner said, you can't do this, we're going to fine you. It's just amazing that the NBA, in which you don't have the dynamic really anymore of where one player can totally change the fortunes of your franchise, at least not an obvious player at the top of the draft. Certain guys like Giannis are players who appear in the middle of the draft who turn out to be, wow, this guy can turn your franchise around. It's not like that in the NBA. And the NBA and their players routinely, and their teams routinely bench multiple starters for no reason other than load management. The, the notion that the NBA would do this with a lottery as well, by the way, that's the other thing too. You could have the next LeBron James, easy franchise turnaround guy, and yet you're not guaranteed to get him because there's a lottery. It's a, it's a weighted lottery, but it's still a lottery. The NFL doesn't have that. The NFL has a system in which the quarterback is so overly important and there are so few of them who are really, really good. And it's so easy to see the ones that are special and different and holy shit, look at this guy coming down the pike. And you had a situation where the Jets had it in their grasp and they've now fucked it up because Jets. I don't care what the commissioner would do or what the pundits would say, or if one of my own linebackers who fought his ass off for 14 games, I don't care if Frank Gore was willing, was ready to come to my house with the entire football team to threaten my family as the owner for pretty much throwing them to the wolves with practice squad players and deactivating everybody, I would have done it. Because you know what? If Trevor Lawrence is all that, the next 12 years, you're not going to remember the fact you tanked it in the final two weeks of the season. All right. That is a better podcast today than yesterday. And I thank you for downloading and having faith with me. My voice sounds better. It was a good idea to have the family out of the house. It's just me and the dog, Tucker. Tucker, boy, what you doing over there? I wish you could see him right now. He's such a good boy. He really is. He just likes people and sitting on the couch and petting them. He's so soft and nice. Okay, enough about my dog. Don't forget, we're still taking people on for Sunburn Bowl 2. Come on, join us in Mexico this February. It's going to be the trip of a lifetime. Go to or call travel leaders, 833-TL-TRIPS, and inquire. That includes people who don't live in and around Milwaukee and or Wisconsin. You want to bet on some games just a little bit here or there to make it interesting? MyBookie is the place to go. They've got Christmas promotions going on all week long. So go to MyBookie.com, sign up for an account today, and dabble and have fun. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday and we will see you next time.
1: Such spirit the air. Such spirit move the air Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate Is here, is here Celebrate, 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 celebrate.
0: Every sports fan knows it's not about how you start the season. It's about how you finish. At myBookie, 2020 finishes strong with NFL, college football, and the return of NBA action. Sign up today to receive a halfway deposit match up to a thousand dollars, and while you're at it, ring in the holidays with six days of giveaways. You heard it here first: from December 21st to December 26th, myBookie's hooking players up with free bets, casino chips, and blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes, and it's all week long. To get in on the action it's simple sign up make your first deposit and enter promo code zabe charlie zulu alpha bravo echo to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies head over to my bookie and discover this year's batch of fun on-site promotions and win big with six days of giveaways this holiday season bet with the best bet with my bookie